Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of Who Do You Think You Are? An exploration into how our thoughts, beliefs, and feelings create our reality. My name is Lastia Kahoot, and I'm your host. I'm joined by my co-host on this show and in life, Glenn Sheridan. Every episode, we're joined by a special guest who inspires us to consider not only what we think, but how we think, and how that thinking impacts our life experience. It's time to get this conscious conversation started as we ask today's guest, who do you think you are? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Hello, my name is Lastia, and I am here with my co-host, Glenn. Hello. And we have another special guest here today on another episode of Who Do You Think You Are? So today's special guest is someone that we have both actually known for a few years. We know her from Toronto, where Glenn and I lived about, I don't know, 30 years of our lives together and, and individually. And, and so I can't remember exactly when I met our guest, but I know that, that she was a client of mine when I had my bakery. I know that she was neighbors with a really, really good friend of ours who actually also calls herself Glenn's second wife, <laughs> Seema. Maybe we'll have her on the show one day so she can talk about that. And, um, and this is someone who I got to know uh, much better. Both of us got to know better after we ventured into the Center for Spiritual Living Toronto several years ago, just a few months before we moved from Toronto to Victoria. So that is about, I don't know, four and a half, four and a half years ago. So five-ish years ago. I also had the opportunity to interview this individual about five years ago when I was working as an integrated nutrition health coach. And we had this tiny but mighty conversation on um, sort of connecting with your own truth about how thoughts and beliefs are the impetus for the reality that we create for ourselves. And, and then there's just so much more. So a little bit more about where this person is today and, and what has brought her up to this moment um, that she is as right now. She is passionate about helping people live an abundant life from the heart. She is a new thought minister, a speaker, a teacher, a coach, a certified heart math trainer, and a supervising teacher for Hoffman Institute Canada. Um, she is also a published author. She has two books to her name, A Year of Possibilities and 100 Minutes of Inspiration. And she is currently one of the founders of Welcome Home and is the spiritual director and founder of Welcome Home Toronto, which is dedicated to teaching people how to live from the quantum archetypes of love, kindness, abundance, justice, and wholeness. So that's just a little bit about who our super special guest is today. And so I'm going to ask her the big question that we ask everyone to start off this conscious conversation, which I know will just open up a floodgate of a whole bunch of other juicy stuff that we can talk about. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Reverend Helen Vallow and ask Reverend Helen, Reverend Helen, who do you think you are? Well, first of all, good morning. Good morning to you. And it's afternoon for me here in Toronto. And good morning, Glenn. And thank you for having me as a guest. It's lovely to see both of you. I get to see Lassie a little bit more regularly yeah. online than I do Glenn. Oh, and um, wow, who do I think I am? Well, I can tell you who I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that I am this uh, immense bundle of energy that is always seeking 
to experience more. I think that is definitely one of my established premises is that life is an adventure and I want to be on that adventurous ride. And then also looking to learn, evolve, and be of service in as many ways as possible. So I just, I always see myself as this bundle of energy. And I would guess that my husband and daughter say, yeah, you're way too much energy. (laughs) (laughs) Both of them being introverts and I'm the extrovert. Yeah. Well, that is a fantastic answer. I mean, energy, like even, even in the talk that we had 50 or 15 years ago, five years ago, then we were talking about how you were saying that thoughts and beliefs are like energy, not even like energy, they are energy. And the Mm. thoughts and beliefs that we have are the foundation for what we experience in our life. And it's something that that is talked about quite often in, in new thought, in science of mind, in, in just a whole bunch of sort of milieu where, where the belief is that we create our reality and that we create our reality based on our thoughts and beliefs. And so when you say that, you know, you're this bundle of energy and, and that life is an adventure for you, I mean, that's something that I just see time and time and time again, just just the way you show up and, and, and sort of, you know, how you have your toes dipped in so many different projects and so many different things, you know, all at the same time. And you, you tend to do it all with such grace and a smile and just this, you know, lovely demeanor. And, and you just, you show mm-hmm. up in this beautiful, delightful, delightful, amazing, sparkly way. And, and so one of the things that I would like to talk to that this bundle of energy that you are is focusing on and putting a lot of attention on these days is welcome home. And, Mm. you know, maybe we can get into the, the history a little later, but, but I would love for our listeners and our viewers to learn about what welcome home is, because it is just such an incredible venture. It is something that is new. There isn't really much like it out there. And it is a whole new way to experience um, and embody, I guess, spirituality that, that, you know, the energy that we all are. So, so instead of me sort of talking about it, I would love for you to, to just launch us into the world of welcome home and tell us what it's all about, what it means to you, how you got involved, who you're involved with, and just, you know, tell the world what, 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 what it's about to experience through this incredible venture. Well, first of all, thank you for that beautiful um, introduction and, and those beautiful um, words of describing your experience of me. And uh, thank you for that. Um, So two things about Welcome Home. There is Welcome Home Toronto, the church, which is the New Thought Church. And that is evolving and uh, more evolvement to follow. What I want to talk about is Welcome Home spirit breath meditation that is about to launch this month um, online. It is with um, my incredible partners. I mean, they, Dr. James Mellon and Eric Overholzer are the, are the founding members. And then about a year and a half ago, they brought this, this idea to me and said, whoa, you know, we want to take the 
understanding of our oneness, the philosophy of new thought, and present it through the experience. So versus, um, you know, when we, when we go to church or a center and, you know, I'm talking and these days I'm, I'm talking to people online, which is mm-hmm. certainly not as, fam- as fulfilling as, as having a live audience, but it's, you know, it's, again, it's still creating some sort of community. This is about actually moving people from their heads into their heart and their body and having an experience of their own capacity to know themselves in a deep, intimate, personal way, to know themselves as this infinite creative energy that they are, and to come to understand that they have the power within them to direct that energy into whatever they choose to create in their lives. And one of the wonderful things about meditation and certainly with all the the scientific research that is being done on meditation and how it uh, decreases our stress levels, it allows us to access our executive functioning, our creative ability, our ability to be more open and curious and to be more heart-centered is that that is giving what we're doing the scientific um, chutzpah to say, yes, this works. I know chutzpah was maybe not the best choice of words there, but it gives us the, the backbone to say, we need to come into ourselves and, and you know, certainly in um, Welcome Home and in the Spirit Breath Meditation, it is by using... Uh, what Dr. James Mellon created, a three-step breathing technique that is breathing into the belly through the mouth, into the chest through the mouth, and exhaling through the mouth. And this circular breathing allows us to move from our old conditioned minds, our patterned brain, our fight-flight-freeze-survival brain, and disrupt it a little bit and open up into, oh, wait a minute, I am more than what I've learned in the past, that there are possibilities for me. And so not only are we moving into a different part of our brain where there is more executive functioning, impulse control, emotional intelligence, spiritual intelligence, but we're also giving ourselves a physical somatic experience that we are energy. And I love that. And it's, it's non-secular. This is not about, you know, any particular belief system. You can have every, any belief system you want. You can have, be attached to or, or, you know, be part of any particular religion you want. It is about you. And it's like really opening the gateway to your heart so that you walk through your heart space and start to have an intimate conversation with your heart. So that, I mean, I, I have some experience with Welcome Home. I have attended many, many spirit breath meditations, uh, I guess over the last year, because I remember for me specifically around 
let's see, I think all the sort of COVID lockdown stuff started to happen around March mm-hmm. and, uh, and things got really intense for me at work. And by May, it was just an unworkable situation for me. And I just really thought about what do I want to put my attention on? Do I want to put my attention on really figuring out how to be in this environment that it just, there's so much anxiety, there's so much fear, there's so much worry, there's so much opinion, there's just, there was all this seeming negative stuff that was just there brewing with people coming in with the staff. Um, And me just navigating that where, you know, at the beginning, I'm like, I'm bigger than this, I'm more powerful than this, I'm more resilient than this. But found myself, you know, after a few weeks, completely pulled into the collective consciousness of of just fear and worry and anxiety and stuff. And and just sort of realized, I don't want to spend my attention and energy on this. I want to spend my energy on that which is life-affirming, that which is supportive, that which is expansive, that which is nourishing. And in order to do that, I need to leave my job. Um, And so, so then... It was just now I need to be able to still not get sucked into that, you know, collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so I all of a sudden like upped my meditations, upped my prayer sessions, the amount of spiritual mind treatment that I was doing. And one of the things that I jumped into was spirit breath meditation. And and it was something that Dr. James um, and I guess, well, the three of you just very graciously opened up for free um, to the public, you know, Dr. James through Global Truth Center Los Angeles, and then you through Welcome Home Toronto. And, and to be able to attend uh, a spirit breath meditation for half an hour-ish, and then there was some conversation and, and connecting, you know, after that, just with the community. What a gift that was to just, you know, be able to go there, just be grounded, be in community with all of these other people who, who were coming in with whatever it was that they had going on, whatever it was that they were feeling, and to just, you know, be immersed in this experience of feeling spirit, of feeling energy, of feeling this power that we're talking about constantly, that, that this is who and what we are, but to really feeling it in our body, in our bones, feeling ourselves activated and animated by this incredible circular three-step breath. And then, you know, the evolution of over the last year where it was a silent, you know, thing to there was a little bit of music added in. And now music is a huge component of of spirit breath um, to sort of amplify this experience that everyone is having to really connect and really drop in and really just be so I have goosebumps right now as I'm talking of of having this bodily experience Mm -hmm. in the moment is just, it's so profound. And it's one of the things that I know for me really helped to shift me into another direction, another perspective, and be able to to not get as caught up um, anymore in all of the, you know, stuff that was just whirling and swirling around me. So that was amazing. And it's still going on. You guys are still offering this. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. We are. And, you know, I want to touch on something you said, Lassia, around um, the breath, because what happens to us is when we get so caught up in what's going on in the world and, oh, my goodness, it's confusing. It's changing all the time. There's so much information and and people are isolated as well. 
you know, we can get, people can get into a fear state. And what happens is, is we stop breathing. We, our breathing becomes so shallow. And that is one of the um, worst things we can do for ourselves is not breathe fully and oxygenate our bodies. Mm -hmm. So to be able to get into that experience of moving breath through the body and feeling what that feels like is not only um, stabilizing for people, we can also create a safety in that of like, of, of us being grounded in the present, where we are right here, right now. And of course, oxygenating our bodies, expanding our lungs is vitally important right now. It, and it always is. But the other thing you mentioned about the experience with, with the music and we brought the music back in, when um, before, the, before the lockdown, we were running spirit breath classes from uh, the fall of 2019 to, I guess, about March of 2020. I'm trying to make sure I have my dates right there. And it was an immersive experience into not only the space and the atmosphere, the lighting, the images we had on the screen, which were mostly of um, beautiful nature scenes, because all of that calms us down. And then we have the music and the experience of the meditation. So it was always meant to be an immersive experience. And mm -hmm. so it's how do we create that online? And of course, now with technology, Spotify and everything, we can create a little bit more of that, which is great. And once we're, we have actual physical centers again, it will be that experience of, oh, I'm home. Mm -hmm. I'm home and I can relax. I can open up my heart. I can go within. I can feel that safety, the security, the sense of belonging to myself, but also belonging in community, which you know, I'll speak for myself. I'm a, I'm a little bit starved for that in, uh, in the in-person, touchy-feely, mm -hmm. exchanging of energy way. And allow people to really get to know themselves in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, I love, I love the, um, I don't talk about safety often because I really, I guess for me, I sort of feel like if you really are grounded in who, who and what you are, if you really believe there's nothing, there's, there, safety is moot, you know, it just because it, there, there's nothing that is threatening, there's nothing that <clears throat> could ever diminish, you know, that, that allness of being that you are, however, in the relative world of, of things mm -hmm. going on and experiences being felt, um, then having something that just that that image, that phrase that comes to mind as you were speaking of, you know, feeling the safety, like actually feeling, embodying mm. the safety in the grounding of the breath, that is a very powerful statement. And that is a very profound opportunity 
for people to have, you know, where, where there's, there's a lot of this thinking of, I mean, even, even right now, and we don't need to get into, you know, sort of a, a huge discussion about this, but a lot of people getting vaccines uh, are getting the vaccine, a vaccine uh, for COVID because they feel that that's going to make them safe that you know once enough people get vaccinated then things can go back to normal because the vaccine is saving us the vaccine is you know the answer to to life getting back to normal and here's something that you know is it's not going to get something or going to someone else or something outside of ourselves being able to breathe in a certain way being able mm-hmm. to connect with yourself through this breath that is so grounding and and sort of you know this idea that there is there is safety in the grounding of that breath that is a beautiful beautiful profound mm-hmm. super important and holy moly like life affirming concept you know that if you just tune into your breath and allow the breath the breath of life to open you up to, you know, I mean, oxygenate, you know, if you sort of want to like go more scientific, you know, the oxygenation that happens, you know, in the lower lobes of the lungs, things that get activated in the brain, the the oxygen traveling, you know, to different parts of the body, the balance between oxygen and carbon dioxide levels and, you know, that, but the feeling that you get, the feeling that you get of this calm, of this relaxation, of this safety that you're talking about, it's extraordinary. And, and so like, congratulations that this is something that you guys are bringing into the world, because from what little I have experienced, it really is such an incredible gift. And it is so empowering. I think, you know, a lot of people comment on, on the people who facilitate about, oh, what a wonderful facilitator you are, and and how, you know, how great, thank you so much. But I think a lot of times people don't realize that it's through that incredible facilitation that they're able to, they're the ones breathing, you know, like the, the mm-hmm. people who are, who are participating, they're the ones who are doing the breathing. They're the ones that are allowing themselves to drop in and really, you know, yes, there's a facilitator. Yes, there's some music. Yes, there's immersive, this immersive experience that you are, that you are providing, you know, that is unfolding before them, but ultimately like it's the individual who is the one who's breathing and, and having this experience. And that is so, that's so powerful. That's so special. That's so extraordinary. That's amazing. It is. And I think also, um, you know, for people who start out in spirit breath, sometimes they're like, I can't breathe that way. I can't breathe that way. I get dizzy. And it's like, yes, you get dizzy because it's shaking up all of those neural pathways and it's opening you up to something new. It's like anything that we do that is going to give us a a more expansive experience, there's always a little bit of uncomfortableness first. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because oh, yeah. it's shattering whatever you're comfortable with, right? It's it's yes. like in order to grow, you got to like yes. bust out and, psh, you know, yeah. For sure. So, and would you agree with that, Glenn? <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm just trying to think of parallels here, how, how to explain to people. I, I can only use my own experience. I mean, I've only done spirit breath once because I'm usually at work when mm. daytime things are happening. Um, but yeah, it shook me up a little bit, just to finding a new way of like 
doing things with my body that, that allowed for something different. And there's like a barrier to break through to get to that new experience. You know um, it's similar to like the very different, but like similar to the Wim Hof breathing um, methods where first time I tried that, I thought, what is it? You know, I lay down and just did, did the relaxed sort of easy version. And, you know, I ended up uh, doing a series of breaths. And it, again, for him, it doesn't matter whether it's through the mouth or the nose, which is very alien to me because I'm usually breathing through my nose. Um, but he, you know, his, the breakthrough for the body there is that you are, you end up getting like tingly feelings in your extremities and it's a little bit panic inducing, but what it's doing is actually relaxing the body to the point where you like you breathe out, you, you do your series of in and out and then you breathe out and you hold the breath like out of your body. Mm-hmm. And I did it for like, I did a timer thing and it was like two minutes and 10 seconds. I had breathed out because my body was fully oxygenated and it was like, everything's fine. You know, this, I had no desire to breathe in again. It was very strange. And similarly, when I think it was Dr. James doing the, uh, the spirit breath, he's doing this, you know, this thing. And I'm like, what, what's going on here? Like I'm just lying, trying to understand, but gradually I just, okay, I'm, I'll, I'll stop the brain into trying to micromanage and the ego saying, okay, you know how to breathe. I just, okay, I'll do what he's saying. And I'll just, breakthrough and it was very it was both alarming and then relaxing and it's a bit like when you have a cold back to the Wim Hof thing when you have a cold shower or you end your shower with cold water your breathing becomes extremely rapid and like like Mm -hmm. you're just doing what you're like your body's doing what it has to do in order to um what rebalance things I guess so the the benefit as i understand it from from mostly from Lasse's um experience and what i've read and listened to um is that you're you're opening i guess you're opening up from a different perspective or different angle your body and your mind and your heart to to it's like uh cli- I don't know, like climbing up a huge ladder and just sliding down and just like enjoying the ride kind of thing. Mm, like you I have to do the work that. and then, you know, like water slide down or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, and again, you're, I guess, because you're coming from a different angle of you've got, you know, you, like your heart math stuff and you're, you're obviously very well versed in helping people deal with their own particular version of, I, I'm not sure if I can do that or, you know, their barriers and their limitations. And you've, you've obviously got this um, very effective way of just being yourself that helps people get, um, get to a deeper level of who they are through things like this. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Yes. And I think, you know, it's again, um, as we move into spirit breath in the meditations i mean we have five minutes of uninterrupted spirit breathing Mm -hmm. and uh it it 
it will as as people become more comfortable with it it becomes this wonderful opening into relaxation in a very different way than we if we just sat and and breathed like we normally breathe because it it like you said with the other technique it's 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 um it's releasing all that constrictive energy in our bodies that we we live with and it becomes so normalized in us <laughs> i know i can i can go into a spirit breath and i go wow i was holding on to a lot in my body and i wasn't aware of it so to be able to have that experience of expansion versus constriction right yeah. and when we expand we can be open we can grow we can um, hear our own voice, our own small, distant voice within for some people of that intuitive knowing and start to pay attention to it and perhaps take action from that, that intuitive, wise place within us um, and give ourselves a more expansive experience in life versus shrinking away because life is changing faster and faster and faster than it ever has. And it's going to continue to do so. So the ability to, to kind of go with the flow instead of fighting so much. And I think there's so much fighting and pushing against the flow of life instead of, oh, I can be in flow and then make really healthy, loving, beneficial, conscious choices from a place of responsiveness, from that place of what I'm going to call spiritual intelligence. You know, it's not just about having emotional intelligence these days. It's about, it's about having spiritual intelligence of being able to respond from a, a place of understanding, a place of groundedness, compassion, inclusivity, uh, being able to really hear and have a broader perspective of many different perspectives in the world and not being emotionally hijacked internally by them. So that's, you know, one of the things I, I'm, I love about this work is oh, to be able to to manage that, to step into it, embody it more often. You know, do I do it perfectly? <laughs> no, not every day, but I have my moments because I'm on a journey, right? And it's all great learning and reassess and re rejig things and then go, all right, back in the flow, get back in the flow of life and the expansiveness of it. Thank you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure if you're going to ask something else. So I, there are so many ways that I could go right now because you just bring so much experience, um, with HeartMath and Hoffman Institute, um, and, and your ministry and now welcome home, you know, to the table, how, 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 and does it all come together? 
you know, because that I actually don't know very much about the Hoffman Institute. I know a little bit more about heart math. Um, but how does, do you find yourself bringing, um, you know, these different areas of your life, of your, your skills and, and what you've, you know, immersed yourself in these different paths? Are they coming together? Do they sort of, you know, overlap in the different areas of your life? Mm -hmm. There's an interplay. For sure. I think everything that I do has a, a basic foundation of heart first. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do believe that um, that's one of my, my reasons for being here is not only to continue to open my heart, but to be an example of that and then pull from modalities and, and certainly, you know, that goes back to the ancient teachings as well of of, you know, it all starts from our heart. And I remember being in, uh, at a conference and Dr. Badri Ricky was giving a conference on the heart being the first brain of the body. And he was, he was introducing, and this was probably 15 years ago, was introducing some of the heart math techniques, but he's, he is a wonderful physician, psychiatrist, and metaphysician. Mm -hmm. And everything I think about the heart, I think I've been, I've been led by my heart most of my life. I mean, I'm blessed to have parents who always said to me, do what you love to do, do what you're passionate about. And they certainly modeled that to me in their own careers. And that they were, they were incredibly passionate about their careers. They were incredibly passionate about their life and all the things they were doing. So um, that it's funny because my brother and I, uh, even though we're very, we're very different personalities, but we both came to the realization that we really learned early on to follow our hearts mm -hmm. and do what we love to do. And so um, I think that's always been, been a guiding light for me or a signpost of, does this really you know, fill my heart with, with love and joy, adventure and, um, and peace and grace and, and service. I think my life has been also very much about being of service and certainly as a child, I was in service to rescuing every animal I could. <laughs> I really, my parents never knew what was going to show up in the house. <laughs> um, and that was okay. But, you know, then it became just like, yeah, I, I, I love to serve. So all of these modalities that I have the honor of being um, involved with are all around uh, opening up to the to the wellspring of love that is within us but it's all around us as well you know it's it's um, again it's that that beautiful energy that we can we can embody and live from and just enjoy as well right really enjoy our lives which you know i if i look back i don't think i have any regrets in terms of you know what i what i feel i didn't do i mean part of it is is i'm a little bit impulsive i do have good <laughs> emotional impulse but i'm impulsive when it comes to adventure 
Yeah. So I remember when I told my husband, um, oh, by the way, honey, I'm, I'm going to South Africa for three weeks. <laughs> I'm leaving in May. I think this was in April. I booked my trip and I was going to be there to support this dear friend of mine who had ridden the Tour de Afrique from Cairo to Cape Town on his bicycle wow. over six months. Yes. And he was raising funds for a school in the Eastern Cape okay. of uh, South Africa. And I had sponsored a child there. And I just said, who, who's going to be there for you? And he said, well, no, nobody really. And his partner couldn't be there. And people from the school he worked with couldn't be there because they were all teachers and in school. I said, okay, I'm going. I'm going to go and be there at the finish line. And so I had to tell my husband, I'm leaving for three weeks to South Africa. And he's like, okay, I know it's in your blood. <laughs> he was very good about it. But I think that's how I've always lived my life is this is an adventure and I get to be in contribution to, to serving. And so, all right, I'm in. That's amazing. And so different from my experience growing up. <laughs> I, I really feel like for me, I, I'm just, just finding my heart, you know, like the, and, and it really has so much to do with, with the journey, the spiritual journey the just the expansion and unfoldment, you know, that I'm on right now and where I am. And I just feel like a baby compared to so many of, of the people that I am surrounded with, you included, um, especially on Thursday nights when we're in this Yep, I'm mentioning it again, folks. This advanced oh. consciousness studies class. <laughs> and uh and, and so this class for me, especially because we're focusing so much on quantum theory, quantum mm -hmm. physics, and, and the intermingling of spirituality with that, as that, it, um, it's, I, I love that stuff. I, I just, I am, I, I think all of us, this book that we're reading right now, The Quantum Revelation by Paul Levy, is many people have said, it's my favorite book. It's one of my favorite books I've ever read. I, I have for me, for sure, one of my favorite books I have ever read, because it is really, it's making me think so much about what every single moment of my life is about and what I am doing and how what he's talking about in that book is applicable in my day to day. The thing that still, even with this book, for me, I feel like I am just beginning to open up to is my heart. And, and so, you know, even being a mom, you know, to Milana, who is 16, almost 17 at this point. Which I can't believe. Because I remember, <laughs> well, I think when she was daughter five. Who's, who's approaching 30 in a few years, right? Like, that is also like, what? Um, but it's, you know we have a cat and I'm doing this because she behind this is, is our bed and she's curled up um, on her own little cave that she's created under, under a blanket. And I can think of Mercury. I can look at Mercury. She can be on my lap sleeping or purring or looking up at my eyes, whatever. And that opens up my heart. Like it just, you know, and that feeling, you know, and I can, I can, that can happen because of Glenn, it can happen because of Milana, but it still feels like such a new feeling to me. And, and, and it was just so bizarre when, even when I was starting to take classes, the prerequisite classes for practitioner studies, <clears throat> 
I remember having a conversation with uh, Reverend Jonathan one time when he came here for the circle of love, um, I guess in 2016, the year we moved here. Mm-hmm. So just a couple mm-hmm. of months after we moved here. And I just, I, I, I was talking to him about how I felt like my heart was this like lump of coal, this like frozen muscle. I'm like, I can cry. Like I feel things when I watch movies and when I talk to people and, you know, like I can be very passionate, whatever, but, but this, this feeling of love, this, this, you know, ineffable quality and state of being and power and energy and essence that we'd be talking about in class that people would be talking about during Sunday celebration or, or, you know, in other ways or whatever. It's like, I don't like what's like, it's, it's, it's broken, it's dead, you know, and it's like, I, I don't understand this. And, and so we had a really neat conversation and he talked about, you know, like moving from the head and down into the heart and how even he, you know, at the beginning was very, very stuck in his head. And at some point he did drop into his heart and what a different, you know, kind of experience and feeling that was. And, and so for me, I feel like it's just, you know, mine is, is just, it's, it's, it's blossoming, it's opening, mm-hmm. it's coming, it's waking up again. And, and it just, um, that, you know, almost like a physical ache that happens when I just really feel, you know, love or in love or, or just, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but that's something that I, I feel so, um, oh, what am I trying to say? It's like, I know, I know that's the evidence for me. Like when, when I feel that, like, that's the evidence of me opening up of me, like dropping further down into my heart that it is softening that I am softening and that I'm opening up myself to to more of me um I guess you know so it's it's and that really it's just it's only been a few years you know and it's 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 a process right now you know even though in class it's like everything is happening right now simultaneously (laughs) all those waves of possibility collapsing into infinite realities right now Mm -hmm. so my my thing is to continue to focus on the waves of possibility where you know it's my my most fulfilled engaging you know present aware expansive life experience that's that's what's happening and it's practice and it's, it's a process and it's work and it's attention and it's focus and it's working because it's yes. like, it's changing. I'm changing. My life experience is, is changing and it's so exciting, you know, all, all at the same time too. So, yeah. And I would say my, first of all, my experience of you is that you are just such, you know, I mean, you're, you're just so delightful and open and present and, and bubbling with that energy of love. But, you know, I think we're all on that journey of opening to more love. Um, and, you know, we, we come into this world and we're, we're, we're not taught, we're not, we're not even modeled sometimes what, what, what unconditional love is so we we do take on consciously and unconsciously all kinds of ideas that you know love equals money love equals affection love equals gifts love equals you know for some people love equals abuse which is really sad Mm -hmm. but it's it's what they know it's what we've all learned different ideas Mm -hmm. and constructs about what love is so 
I think all of us are on this journey of releasing those constructs, which I see are constructs or beliefs, which I see as melting ice mm. around our hearts, mm -hmm. gently, lovingly, compassionately, and holding ourselves able, you know, to always hold ourselves able to experience more love. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter where we are on the journey. What matters is that we are on the journey and that we're doing that lovingly, gently, with kindness and generosity, not, not you know, making ourselves wrong and comparing. And, and I mean, it's easy to get into comparing. I mean, we can all do that. We can all get caught up in you know, the ways we've been hurt or felt betrayed or um, unjustly treated. But when it comes right down to it, and I mean, this is what we're experiencing and learning in class. When it comes down to it in the quantum field, we, we all came from this one heart. I'm starting to think of the Big Bang as a big heart that went bang. And we're all parts of that one heart, that one cosmic heart. And so now it's, it's reclaiming it for ourselves. And there's so many great avenues to do that, which is, um, I think, one of the wonderful things about the world we live in, in terms of technology, um, how we're, we're exposed to so many avenues that people can take to discover that. I have one client who is just, oh, he's just so delightful and he's burst his heart wide open on so many levels through this one meditation app. It's not mine, but it's okay. <laughs> I'll let that go. <laughs> I don't care how you get there. He's just like, he's, he's just opening up in such miraculous, beautiful ways. And I'm like, great, mm -hmm. great. Take more of it in, you know, and, and, you know, let's see where the journey takes us, but at least be on the journey. Yeah, that you know what, that is such a great quote. It doesn't matter where we are on the journey. It matters that we are on the journey. I think that's fantastic. Wow. I don't even know if that's my quote or I'm, I'm quoting somebody else. I'll have to look <laughs> it up to see. If, I have a feeling it, I might have heard it somewhere, yeah. but, but I love it. I love yeah. it. It's like, just be on the journey. It's okay. Yeah. And when we, you know, the journey is a circuitous route. It's not this as you, it's not this straight line. Yeah. It takes us in many different directions and okay. Well, that can be an adventure. An adventure which Reverend Helen loves. <laughs> That's what life's all about. Meant for the adventure, I know. <laughs> so, Honey Bunch, do you want to chime in with anything here? Anything popping up for you? Well, <clears throat> okay. I'm trying to, it was a couple of minutes ago when I was thinking, oh, that, that's the thing I want to clarify, but now it's slipped away a bit. I, when we spoke to Reverend um, Jonathan, we, I listened to it again recently because we only recently mm -hmm. published it. We were, a little, we were backlogged a bit and last year I did the editing. And so I was just listening to it again. And I was, I guess I was, hashing out my my own limitations with 
with the conversation with him about the motto or the vision or mission that he continues to use that that um, GTC uses um, that Dr. James came up with, uh, love only, mm-hmm. uh, forgive everything, remember who you are. Mm-hmm. And I was saying that for me, the love only part was um, a challenge in that that it's I, maybe it's semantics, but like the word I was going for was my word is trust. You know, I'm much more comfortable saying trust, uh, trust uh, only. I guess you know, like be open to the idea of um, all is well, even if the circumstances are very chaotic or un- uncertain or um, you just don't know how they're like why it's coming up or how it's coming up is very jarring for you. Um, and again, this could go back to, as you said, with the, the breathing exercise helps you with that balance when the sympathetic nervous system is going to fight flight and the parasympathetic nervous system is saying, is like, no, we're, we can calm this down. Everything's fine through the breathing. Um, but he, I forget what he said in response to it now, but it was essentially uh, the love only thing. I get it. And I'm more, I'm more and more each day open to that being the correct way of proceeding. Like it's, it's like an operational uh choice I have to make like Mm. you still have to get up and interact with people and dealing with your own feelings and your own um, manifestations of your own kind of limits that you're pushing each day and you're allowing more to come in you are challenging yourself and sometimes you'll hit you'll dip into a low and other times you're just sailing into the stratosphere Um, but yeah I because again, we're back to the issue of you coaching and teaching and, and mentoring and, and guiding people in, in a new direction sometimes where um, you're helping them nudge stuff out of the way that may get lodged in their bodies that may be just in their minds or their, or their thoughts, you know, um, the, the, um, I look at this idea of thought that we have um, that coalesces into our beliefs. It's like little packets of thought that we are just very comfortable um, grabbing to go. You know, that's, that's my habit. That's my, you know, I know how this is how things work. Right. Um, But breaking it down into with this Paul Levy book, especially it's like anything's possible here. Just what is it that you really want? What, what do you, what do you think you are, um, what is available to you? What is, um, what is your desire knowing that that will lead to, as you said, service is important. Um, uh, adventure is important, you know, new horizons. So I, I'm, how do I get this into a question? Um, is that something you've noticed when you're dealing with people that, or does that come up for you even like that, that love isn't always the best word 
to to get to kind of dig into that and just say like um, there's something there there there's something that is at stake here you know you have to give a lot you have to allow things to open so that everything is well you know um, you have to so that you can notice that that's just how life really works separate from the appearances and the conditions and the form it's all just love consciousness god all, all that is just love but is there something else that 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 is a, a good way to um suggest to people that you know there's um that all, all is ultimately unfolding perfectly. I don't like the word perfectly, but all is well. Yeah. Oh, I think you just bring up such a, a, a great question because yes, we use the division statement, love only, forgive everything, remember who you are. So what does that mean, love only? Love, the way I see it is, first of all, we all have conditioned patterns and ways of being that we might be very unconscious of or conscious of, but still, you know, repeating them because they're emotionally familiar. It's all we know. I don't have to love somebody's patterns. Right. I don't have to agree with someone's destructive behavior and go, oh, love only. No. What I can do is recognize, and I'm going to quote uh, a brief poem by Arthur Miller, I believe. And that is, have compassion for everyone you meet, even if they don't want it. For what seems like conceit, arrogance, and ill manners, are signs of things no eyes have seen, no ears have heard. We do not know what wars are going on down where spirit meets the bone. So I don't know. I don't know for anybody. Yeah. But I can have compassion which doesn't mean I'm in sympathy. I am not getting stuck or mired or buying into their destructive patterns of behavior. But I can also see beyond to know that within them is a part of them that has never been touched by any pain, that is much greater than what they might even be aware of much greater than their destructive patterns of behavior, their ill manners, their conceit, their arrogance. And I can make healthy, loving choices in response to that, that has an underlying intention of raising up both of us versus creating separation. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm good, you're bad. So from that place, yes, love only is going and seeing beyond their patterns to their more than that. But it's also, you know, we talk about love as the self-givingness of spirit unto ourself. 
to love ourselves and to be filled up with that love, overflowing with it, that I can give what I can give, not at the expense of myself. I'm not putting myself in an abusive situation. That would, that would be crazy. I'm not going to take some kind, somebody else's destructive behavior and go, that's okay, because I really do love you. It's like, no, love is also saying, hey, you know what? You may want to look at this. You may want to clean it up. You may want to do something about it because you're more than that. Yeah. You are more than your, your patterns. And that's where some people find me very confronting because I'm not going to buy into their patterns. And that I'm okay with that. But I can still love who they are inherently. And so that's the love only. Mm -hmm. And then forgive everything is taking full responsibility for my life and what I have participated in, right? Have I been a jerk sometimes? Have I hurt people sometimes? Have I, have I not been the, the most conscious, loving being I can be? Absolutely. And I got to be willing to own my stuff there. And so to forgive myself and to be able to forgive others, which I see as forgiving myself new life, really not being defined by history. I'm not a victim to the history anymore. I am this empowered being because I am remembering I'm more than that. And so remembering that I'm more than that is remembering that I am this infinite creative presence of love, of beauty, of, of wholeness, of justice, of kindness and goodness. And then I am fully responsible on how I show up and what I give. That's, that's not on anybody else. That's all about me. And I think that's sometimes where people have a hard time. It's like, no, I, I didn't cause an accident, but I have choice in how I respond to it. Or I didn't cause myself intentionally to be, you know, in harm's way here. At least I hope not. I don't think I'm that self-indictive. <laughs> I, I hope I'm aware enough to not do that. I know I'm aware enough not to do that. But if that shows up in my life, I have choice in how I, I respond. And... That's where going, you know, understanding in the quantum field, and this is what Paul um, Levy's talking about, is that there is this huge universal quantum entanglement. We're all connected. So if I do react maliciously or unconsciously, I'm not just hurting myself. And I'm not just hurting that person. I'm hurting my family. I'm hurting my community. And I want to be awake enough to, to recognize that and take responsibility for it. And also clean it up if I need to clean it up. And yeah, sometimes I have things to clean up in my life too. Yeah, thank you. That's, that's really very beautifully spread out as those three concepts being one, really. But, mm -hmm. um, and the, as you mentioned that and that you are sometimes you get reactions from people that that's not what they're ready for. Or that's not what they want. 
it reminds me of the issue of like there's there's sort of a a pattern emerging in the last couple of decades where um especially as younger people have been less and less likely to have kind of any spiritual um support or you know the patterns sort of fa had fallen away for a while in terms of church and 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 whatever and maybe the most spiritual thing a person was going to uh experience during their week would be going to yoga or something you know uh which is fine for the body and balancing the mind body but what i notice um again maybe because of what i'm putting out there and i'm that's the way it's coming back to me to be questioned is the victim um component like you mentioned justice right the idea that there's a lot of um there are younger people who are very adamant that like this must happen now because this group of people is being victimized so they they're sort of in this consciousness of um there's a victim there's a perpetrator you know and that is a very enticing and um powerful narrative to get get to to basically give your attention to that that um this is a wrong that must be righted and whatever and you get it in race you get it in in gender politics you get it um just in po politics in general um and the the victim component of that really it just i don't know what to do with it still i'm working on it in terms of just seeing the opposite of that just seeing that people are becoming more and more aware that we are not victims you know mm -hmm. but i and this is where i think new thought churches especially in new thought centers and and groups of people who get together just reading a book makes a difference you know that that becomes more and more accepted that um we can't be both victim and you know creative spirit divine you know the god whatever it is we can't be both of those things we can play the part of victim we can play the part of a person aware of a victim but ultimately it's very self it's very self denying and it and it doesn't open you up at all it just it keeps you locked into this very tight little box of of um possibilities and i just think in your position i think you you maybe have come across this oh for sure and you know it's also understanding we have centuries of imprinting culturally historically familially of being a victim or being victimized this is this is not something new it's just all coming out and which is a good thing um and yes maybe being expressed more by people um recognizing who's been victimized who hasn't or feeling like a victim themselves but here's the thing you know we've got all that imprinting it's kind of the same thing as what's happening with quantum physics quantum physics is now uncovering and discovering that we are the entire universe and the universe is us. 
there's nothing separate. But we have, we have like centuries of Newtonian physics of everything starts in form, right? Yeah. Everything is about form. Everything is about what shows up in our life. And that is the causative factor of our pain. Whereas quantum physics is scientifically proven that we're all consciousness and that there is no out there and me here. It's all one. So what this is going to do, there's going to be a shakeup that goes on. And I love it. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, there's going to be a shakeup in terms of our understanding that it's my consciousness. Nobody's doing anything to me. It's my consciousness. Yeah. But we're not there yet. And there ha there's all these iterations of expression. And, you know, I think of the Cartman Triangle, which is um, uh, a triangle that talks about victim, the perpetrator, and the, the, the bystander or the fixer the one who wants to fix it. And we move in that triangle. And right now, there's a lot of people that are either in the victim or the people that want to fix it. And it's like, we have to remember that we're all three and so much more than that. And that right now, this cycle that's coming up, that's okay, that's okay. It's going, it's going to change. And again, um, that's where I do my own work of cleaning up my own consciousness around victim, me being a victim. And, you know, it's like, oh, I can catch myself. I'm a little bit whiny. And, and it's like, no, clean it up, clean it up. And that's, that's what I'm responsible for. Yep. And everything that is, I'm going to say, erupting in our world today, well, the, you know, the light pushes up the darkness to be exposed, to be transformed. And we have to see it first, though, right? And that's what's happening. We're, we're being confronted with so much that has happened for centuries, that has so, been so much of our imprinting of our consciousness. And now it's like, oh my gosh, let's bring it up into the light. Let's look at it. How is it affecting me? And what am I doing? Am I really cleaning up my own consciousness so that I can be an example and show up for someone else and say, you know what? You have the power to, to rise above all of this. To, and not even rise above, because I think you have to go through it. You have to go through it and come out on the other side, which means sometimes we sit in the muck and it's, it stinks. <laughs> that muck stinks. It's also uncomfortable. Sometimes it's painful. And that's okay too. But all those rescuers that want to come in and take people out of the muck, it's like, no, no, no. See that they have the power within them yes. to move through it and come out on the other side. There's nothing I have to fix except just keep working on my own consciousness. Wow. 
Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so I'd like to ask a question because it, it's there are two things that came to mind over the last 15 minutes or so. One was the my absolute favorite spiritual principle. Principle is not bound by precedent, which mm -hmm. is something that um, we began to touch on in a group that we were in a few months ago in class. And there was something that you and some of the other people in the group were saying um, about that not necessarily being something that that either resonates or that is 100% true. Um, and then the other part that I was thinking about, which is is the idea of love and, and, and consciousness and how they are used interchangeably uh, sometimes. And for me, what I find is, especially as we delve further into quantum physics, and we're talking consciousness and energy and the quantum field, when, when people are talking about love as the, as the allness of being, as, as that is all there is, as the, as the love only, not just you know a verb, an activity, but like state of being, this is who and what you are, what comes to mind for me is, is this, is this just something that we, as, as our human selves, the human experience, um, is this something we ascribe to consciousness, to energy, so that we can relate to it better? Because consciousness and energy is like, what like pick up a hand of consciousness pick up a hand of energy you know feel it that kind of thing but love love has some kind of meaning for almost everyone i would think you know some kind of connotation mm -hmm. some kind of experience and so can you talk to us about that because i am so like i i, I get this and i get this and I flip flop back and forth between using words like uh, universe, energy, consciousness, quantum field, possibility, and then get more what for me feels like more mystical in terms of love and beauty and, and maybe that route, even though in my mind, <laughs> they're all the same thing. So do you have any thoughts on that sort of love versus consciousness? Is there any well, for you? I think it's, I think it is the words we use to describe it. Mm -hmm. you know? um, but I think there's also the feeling aspect of it, that intuitive, deep feeling of, oh, just when I think of it, um, it it's just, it, it's a, it's a feeling that that almost is indescribable, and yet we do, as human beings, ascribe language. Jonathan would love that I say this. <laughs> <laughs> he would just love it. Um, but yeah, we do, and and how to describe that feeling, and maybe we don't need to describe it. And I think also, if we look at it from a quantum physics perspective, we talk about consciousness. We talk about the, the quantum realm. But, you know, Amit Goswami talks so much about the quantum archetypes, mm -hmm. right? Love, kindness, goodness, truth, justice, wholeness. Did I miss any? I think beauty, beauty was in there beauty. too. Yeah. Beauty. beauty. Which beauty. I don't think is in your bio. 
No, and I should put it in because it's such a big part of my life. So, because yeah. <laughs> um, um, I love to create mm-hmm. you know, from that aspect of creating an atmosphere um, that I find beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, although some people do say, oh, they used to say to this, uh, this, uh, to me about the center it's like oh you hellenized the center <laughs> what? I, no no it's good if they okay. meant it as a compliment because okay. they know how particular i am about creating places of beauty what i you know just oh yeah it gives a feeling mm-hmm. so anyways um i i think if we think of those quantum archetypes yeah and what are we most drawn to? And, you know, it's, it really is finding a balance between all of those archetypes. Like, I didn't really think so much about wholeness. Like, wholeness, I, you know, I'm whole. Like, what, what does wholeness mean? What really does that mean as a quantum archetype? Is it seeing the wholeness and, and recognizing the wholeness and embodying the wholeness of the universe as me? Is it the wholeness of my mind, body, emotions, intuitive self that makes up my consciousness? Like there's so many avenues you can go down. Mm-hmm. So I think it's what we, we just tend to lean into mm-hmm. most. And, and for me, I do. I tend to lean into love. I tend to lean into beauty. Um, I tend to lean into kindness because I think that's really in, in, um, intertwined with my sense of service, but yeah, there are some other things I'm like, Oh, okay. I, I could, I could open up my mind and be more curious about that. And what does that mean for me? And, and what, what could I maybe lean into more there? Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I think it's whatever feels most comfortable to the individual. Mm-hmm. And that's where we, you know, again, it's like, well, it's consciousness. Well, maybe for somebody it is that feeling of beauty and expansiveness or creation or creativity. And, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I don't know. Do we have to define it so clearly? I mean, for me, love is a is a is a feeling and I, I think of it as that that where it touches into just such a, a an emotional goodness and, and an um, emotional um, tenderness so I know when I'm in that feeling it's like okay I'm in love but you know you know it, it's so sorry honey bunch because it just as as Reverend Helen was talking it just it really made me think how much beauty is is just that has been an underlying theme in in my entire life. Whether it was you know oh. beauty and artistry specifically, um, and for the longest time until very recently, I sort of equate, equated creativity with artistry. But really, creativity it's it's just happening all the time in every way. Um, yes. But the, the, the beauty of artistry, you know, whether it is a painting, whether it is music, whether it is, um, you know, like the beauty of nature, um, it j- just, just ha- the feeling, um, 
whatever sort of gets evoked, if that's for me right now, I, I just kind of didn't realize this until you were talking that that is more profound and resonates with me more than love does that that beauty is for me just so more meaningful so further reaching like wow um and and all of these archetypes are you know interwoven interconnected uh you know like indra's net you know like with each other and are all sort of part and parcel of each other because ultimately I guess the one that you sort of, you know, said that you didn't think about uh, that that much until maybe recently, wholeness, like it's, they're all part of, you know, the the greater whole, all creating the greater whole, you know, every moment of every day kind of thing. So that was, that was very interesting for me to sort of like tune into that right now. Thank you. That makes sense. Look at, look at what you used to create at your bakery and how <laughs> beautiful, how absolutely beautiful every item was. I mean, that's why we went to your bakery, aside from the fact that my daughter's vegan. And you will be happy to know, we, we have got now the best, I'm gonna say the best, because <laughs> we think it's the best, yeah. gluten-free vegan chocolate cupcake recipe. And we made, um, we did the, the vegan icing, and it is Mahala, who is the one who is exquisite at piping. Ooh. Mine were like, all over the place, not not my thing. But she, oh, they were beautiful, and that's, you know, she was, and she was so happy. Like that's that's the expression of her consciousness. Yeah, yeah, that's really sweet. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you pictures of what she did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd love to see them. Um, okay, so that there was that honey bunch. Did you want to add anything was before I ask about the uh, principle? Well, you're gonna. I, I was gonna remind you, but uh, the beauty thing. My the uh, Oscar Wilde quote. I have to read it because it's a bit long. Uh, Oscar Wilde says, um, "Beauty is the only thing that time cannot harm." Philosophies fall away like sand. Creeds follow one another, but what is beautiful is a joy for all seasons, a possession for all eternity. Oh. Mm. Beautiful. There you go. Yep. So you got it, Lassia. Lassia. You got Thank it. You know, the tough question. After the beauty comes the truth. Well, maybe, maybe. No. <laughs> Can we handle the truth? Okay, so principle is not bound by precedent. This continues to be the principle or or sort of spiritual realization for me that is the most profound. Mm -hmm. right now in this moment that um that has sort of come across my purview and and i'm going to sort of uh you know qualify this by by saying that in this book that we're reading by paul levy there is a chapter in there where he talks about there are no constant spiritual laws or there are any kind mm -hmm. of laws the only thing that is constant is that they're always changing and when i read that i was kind of like okay, hold on, <laughs> because a lot of what we talk about in our philosophy is stems from there are these inarguable, 100% true, all the time, spiritual truths or principles, you know, and laws that are always in play, regardless of whether or not you're aware of them. So 
become aware and then, you know, your life will change for the better sort of thing. So there's, there's that whole thing that I'm still kind of wrapping my head around, but now as it gets sunny, um, principle is not bound by precedent. For me, when I first heard this years ago in the very first class that I took with Reverend Jonathan, then he kind of gave it in two parts. One was that nothing that has ever happened has any bearing on who you are in this moment right now. <sighs> like what? That's incredible. You mean, I don't have to like hold on to these things that happened before. Now there's this whole other notion of happened, happening, it happened then has impact on me right now. And you know, time doesn't exist, but it's all it's like, okay. <laughs> but let's just go sort of the very linear relative way of something happened. It doesn't have any bearing on who and what I am right now. And then in the second one, the second class, he explained, you know, unless you drag it into the present moment with you, but even then it's not the thing that is, that is changing. Um, or sorry, it's, it's, you are always the same. You are always that you are always the principle. You are always the truth. You are always love. You are always more creative, resilient, powerful than anything that could have ever happened to you or anything that could have ever happened. So this is something that to this day, I, it's something that I absolutely, for lack of a better word, love and just find so profound and such an incredible lesson and realization and something that I often share with clients. What are your thoughts with all of your background, and even now as we're, you know, knee deep, ankle deep, neck deep in, in quantum theory, what are your thoughts on that principle? Well, first of all, I think when somebody comes to the realization that they are not bound by precedent, yep. that they have an opportunity to come into knowing themselves in a very different way. I think that does two things. One, and I think these two things are very important and go hand in hand. Yep. It raises our self-esteem as well as our capacity to know ourselves as that infinite creative intelligent energy, spiritual self, intuitive self, wise self, authentic self, whatever anybody wants to call it. And, I'm not attached to those names. So I think it gives us both of those. And it allows us to open up our minds to we are more than our history. One of the difficulties that I have seen over and over again is that people then go, great, none of what I did in the past matters and I'm good to go. Okay. All right. And it's, and then they start doing the work and they're doing their prayer work and their meditation and their visioning and they're making changes in their life. And then they get slapped upside the head with all of their stuff. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is for the same reason I was talking about the whole victim thing. And we have centuries of that imprinting. You know, historically, we have all of our familial imprinting from generation to generation that still lives within us 
energetically and not consciously. Nobody wants to carry all that crap with them day by day, but we still unconsciously carry it with us. And it has a tremendous amount of power to come up and I'm going to say bite us in the ass when we're least aware mm -hmm. and hijack us and bring up all of that old stuff again. So the value of what I see as confronting it, doing that energetic, emotional release work, but not just that, also finding, again, emotionally and energetically, because we're all real good at cheap forgiveness. I know, I get it. Yeah, my parents, my family, they were screwed up or they did the best they could or, oh, they've changed now. That is just so in our heads. Mm -hmm. But to go back and really feel and understand on an emotional level what their pain was, what wars were going on down for them where spirit meets the bone, and to understand how that just can, was this unconscious contribution of survival, not thriving, survival. And to be able to find such deep peace and compassion and forgiveness on the emotional level. Then we're really free to move forward. Now, is there stuff that still maybe shows up once in a while? Yeah, but, you, but it's, not, it's not this thing that you're pushing against all the time. No, no, it no longer defines me. It no longer defines me. It's like, oh, I know this. Oh, it's coming up so I can do some more work around it. And that's okay. So that's where I see... You're right. We're not bound by precedent. Bound, I think, is the operative word. Mm -hmm. yeah. Bound. Yeah. But we have to un... I was going to say unbound ourselves. Unbind ourselves. <laughs> on that beautiful, rich, emotional level. Not just intellectual. So that, again, we're feeling it. And, and ex having the experience, we're right back where we started from, having the experience of compassion and forgiveness. Not just going, yeah, I know. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, so to me, after hearing everything that you just said, that principle still stands true. It's just, it's it, it, um, what I think might happen for some people is what would be called a spiritual bypass where you Absolutely. That it's like, oh, okay, shut the door and that's it. I never have to think about that stuff or, or work through it or process it or whatever in any way when really you're still dragging it into the present moment with you. You're still attached to it. You're still in relationship to it in a way that isn't liberating or expansive or affirming in any way. You're still bound because you're ignoring it and avoiding it. Whereas mm -hmm. if you allow yourself the opportunity and the gift 
to actually, you know, sink into the muck, like you were talking about earlier and be uncomfortable and work through whatever it is that is bubbling up and needs to be trotted through and get all yucky and stinky in, then coming out on the other side is, you know, the experiential realization that, I'm not bound by that stuff, that even in working through and getting in the muck of all of that, I am so much infinitely more powerful, creative, and bigger than any of it. Here I am. And then you're in a healthy, more expansive, loving, and aware relationship with, with what happened with the precedent. Mm-hmm. And we're freeing our ancestors we're not we're freeing them so this is what it means when we go back and change the past Uh in our own consciousness we free them we're no longer holding on to those little you know resentments that kind of leak in here and there or um we're just so at peace with it And I think that's the difference. The other thing is, is when we're not bound by precedent, we're not fighting against it, right? We're not trying to push it away. No, no, no. I'm pushing against. You can only push against something for so long. That's why I have a hard time against something as opposed to, you know what? I am for embracing all of this and shifting and changing the energy into something that is going to raise me up to be more conscious, awake, aware, and, and giving to all of humanity. But when we're pushing against something, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. It just, and it becomes exhausting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of energy to constantly push against something. Yeah. No, no, I'm good. I, that, that's all in the past. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, yeah, you know, wow, that really, yep, that happened. And, you know, you don't feel any kind of reactivity to it. Um, And I think it's Michael Beckwith who came up with this, that forgiveness is giving up all hope of a different past with no reactivity to it. Mm. Right? And when we can come to that kind of peace, then God, we're free to create so much more. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to this a few more times. Uh, yeah. No, I, I'm in, I'm in harmony with what you're saying. Um, and for sure, when you said there about being against things, it runs contrary to your nature. I mean, that, that's another one of my battles right now is this, um, how to deal with language that's trying to be normalized. Like the idea of um, um, being anti-racist, um, you know, I, I've read parts of the book that Robin D'Angelo wrote. Mm. To me, it's, it's 
I get where it's coming from, but it's the wrong approach, right? And 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 there, I won't get into the details, but you can look it up yourself. It's fairly, it's it's uh, it's everywhere. This book. The yes, idea is this is the white um, what it's white privilege. Fragility. Yeah. White white fragility. Yes, yeah. I've read it. So. So for, for me, it doesn't work in terms, it's a bit of a Kafka trap. It's a bit of like, if you believe this thing, um, the best you can do is go along with like accepting privilege and whatever. If you don't believe it, it's proof that you are racist, right? So to me, it's like, I get where they're coming from, but it, it's not helpful. And, what, and it's to me, the idea of being anti-racist is what you is the epitome of what you have to be it's like saying um rather than racist right rather than non-racist being anti-racist is the goal it's like saying well it's not enough to be non-violent you have to be anti-violent it's a, it's a it's a word play that leads to this weird like what is going on over there you know yeah. the only way the only thing that I am comfortable with in this kind of um, arena is that's mentioned in the Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff book, um, Coddling of the American Mind, where they reference uh, Nassim Taleb's books and concepts of human beings being anti-fragile, like that we are, and especially in relation to children, you know, we're not fragile we are anti-fragile we thrive in disorder and chaos like children as they grow they need they need boundaries and they need things to overcome and break through and whatever and they get better through the experience whereas bubble wrapping them or you know preparing the road for the child not the child for the road is completely the wrong approach if you want to have growth you need to be able to <clears throat> experience difficulty challenges and accept that those are just normal um steps along the, the path um so sorry that's a bit of a tangent but it's it's um it's one of these things i discussed with Alasia too many times excuse me but um yeah no it it's i really like that breaking down of the 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 that one word can make such a difference, that bound word in that quote by um, uh, Thomas Troward. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Did you mention his name yet? I don't know. Did, anyway. No, we didn't mention not, his name. No, yeah, that's right. Thomas Troward, not in this episode. Sorry, Thomas Troward, principle is not bound by precedent. Yeah. You ever want to go to sleep, read any of his... <laughs> Oh, I love Thomas Droward. I love what he teaches. And you know what? It's so interesting because his creative process, the, the book, The Creative Process, is very much, you, if you changed every word in there from God to universe, mm -hmm. you would be in a quantum physics class. Okay. It's very cool. Yeah, he was, but you know, it's and it's so interesting that all of what this, history, um, you know, history has so much to teach us. And if we're willing to really look at the metaphysical meanings of, 
of things that were said, even in the Bible. I mean, there's all a meta, it, they're all stories, they're metaphysical stories. Um, and if we're willing to look at it from that perspective, we can gleam so much wisdom and meaning that is applicable to what we teach today. Um, and I, I just, I, and, and then couple that with, or combine that with all the quantum physics that is being revealed. It's like, wow, we've just come full circle, folks. <laughs> We're like right back at the very beginning of our oneness with all of life. And, um, you know, it's, it's that place of coming into, we're, I, I love what you said about um, we're not fragile. We're not. We have an incredible capacity for resilience. We have an incredible capacity to deal with adversity. We're hardwired to deal with adversity. That is what our, our you know, fight, flight, uh, freeze, yep survival brain is all about is dealing with adversity right back from I got to you know, protect myself from a saber-toothed tiger. That's adversity. <laughs> so we're good at that. It's now realizing that we can do it together. We can do it together in community. We can do it together. Oh, wholeness is going to come up. That we, we are all we are all from the same stuff when it comes right down to it. Our bones, our cells, our skin, our atoms, our particles, they come right back to the same energy. And it's going to take time maybe for that to really become prevalent and, and understood and, and accepted by people who want to continue to create separation. And I think the one thing we can really look at as to say, am I in separation? Am I creating separation from myself and others is indifference. Mm -hmm. Because as Viktor Frankl said in Man's Search for Meaning, it, it's not hatred. It's not even, it, it, it's indifference that caused the Holocaust. It's indifference to seeing us as mothers and fathers, children, grandparents, um, artists, human beings, all, all wanting we, that same, same connection with our loved ones. Yeah. And so for me, um, I use indifference as a red flag. Oh, if I'm going there, that's, that's a real slippery slope. And that's, that's the unhealthy part, is when we start objectifying and lumping people into groups versus, you know, seeing, seeing, like, I, I see you, I see you as you, and you're valuable, and um, you're worthy, and yeah, okay, you have your patterns too, and I don't have to love those, but you're more than that. Yeah. And, and let's, let's focus on on the more than that, then the stuff in form, the stuff in, you know, that shows up that's, you know, learned, historical, part of a collective consciousness, and you let that go. The, the, uh, that reminds me, 
Pete Holmes, the comedian, is a great podcast, and he and his wife, uh, they're very supportive of one another's journeys, and I think she's in psychology now. But when they get kind of, you know, a little bit off-center, the other would, would say, you know, Pete would say to Val, um, I see you in there, you know, mm. a way of recognizing I, I know, I don't know what's going on, but I know, you know, yeah. I, I've been there. I, I know what that is. So I like that. I see you in there. Imagine if we all said that to our children yeah. when we were frustrated with them or they're acting out in school and the teacher could come up and say, hey, yeah. breathe. I see you in there. Mm -hmm. God, wouldn't that be incredible? If that's what kids got in school, yeah. In school, yeah. in family. In family, everywhere. everywhere. Yep, everywhere. Yeah. Oh, the world would just be an amazing place, but it already is. <laughs> and it already is. Wow. So that, oh, that was, thank you, Honey Bunch, for bringing that up and, and, Thank you for everything that has bubbled up and come to light today. Um, Reverend Helen, can you, because I don't think we talked about it when we were talking about Welcome Home. Can we just go back to Welcome Home for a minute and let mm -hmm. us know where people can, I mean, we're going to ask for your information in a bit anyway, but like if people want to tune into Spirit Breath right now and the app that is coming out, what's the news around that? Ah, so... Um, we're almost ready to launch. We're, 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 um, uh, we're going to be part of the Mind Body app, which a lot of yoga studios and, and that uh, different modalities are with workout centers. So you'll be able to go on and see all the classes and register for a single class, do a monthly membership, a yearly membership. That is just about ready. <laughs> we're, we're, we have like a few behind the scene things that still have to be linked up and we're waiting for approval. Um, so hopefully by the middle of April, okay. that will start to launch. Now, there is a website and I believe it is, and I'm just going to look it up. Um, where you can sign up for the newsletter and that'll let you know when uh, I think it's welcomeome.space. So I'm just double checking. But at the same time, in the meantime, if you want to, yes, it is. It's welcomeom.space. And there's a, a splash page up there that says coming soon and you can sign up for our newsletter right. and we'll let you know when we are launching that. But in the meantime, if you go to my website, welcome om, om again, toronto.com and you click on spirit breath, it will give you a schedule of all the free classes you can join into. The Zoom link is there and... Talks a little bit about spirit breath. And so normally we do this after the super rapid fire question round, but since we're talking about it now, are these the two main links or URLs that you would like to give out to people? Or is there another way that would be a good way to get in touch with you to learn more about who you are and what you do? 
to learn more about me and what I do, uh, welcomeomtoronto.com. Okay. My information is there. Um, I do have another website, which I was actually thinking this week I should change it to helenvello.com, but it is a year of possibilities.com. Um, that has a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and then, um, uh, yeah, I'd say just in terms of welcome home, it's the welcome home dot space. Okay. All yeah. right. That is fantastic. People can always email me too. If they okay. Want. And they can yeah. get, they can email you through welcome home Toronto or a year of possibilities, yes, right? Okay. Yep. So we'll put up a slide that has that information on there and, uh, and we'll put it in the description for every single podcast, you know, when it gets, when it gets released later today. So let's see, since we have done that, um, before we go, we're going to launch into this fun little light segment called the super rapid fire question round, where there's going to be a minute. Glenn is going to bombard you with questions and we just want you to answer them right <laughs> off the top of your head. Whatever comes into mind, don't take tons of time. Like some of our other guests who are like, Oh, come on. How can you ask me that? Um, and, and yeah, it's just a way to have a little bit of fun and get to know you a little bit better. And then at the end, there will be a prize that, uh, that Glenn will give out. So honey bunch, are you ready? But I get the prize. You get a prize and air quotes. I get a prize. There's a prize. So yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm in. <laughs> so, okay. Mahoney, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Ready, set, and go. Do you sing in the shower? No. How many tattoos do you have? None. Okay, which do you prefer, tea or coffee? Coffee, strong. Netflix <laughs> or nature? Both. Buddha, Buddha mind or Christ mind? Both. Reading or writing? Reading. Swearing or hitting a pillow? Swearing. <laughs> uh, kindness or compassion? Compassion leads to kindness. Sweet or savory? Sweet. Uh, swimming or skiing? Oh, skiing. Don't like water. 20th century or 21st century? 21st century. Exercising the body or the mind? Both. Seinfeld or friends? Friends. Cats or dogs? Ding, 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 okay. ding, ding. Okay. Okay. Reverend Helen gets the prize for the most both responses. Yeah. <laughs> both and. Yeah. Yes. And. Okay. So honey bunch, tell her what she's won. Okay. So normally I would read something from a book at this point. That would be your prize. A quote. Cool. However, you're the first to receive... These are the song lyrics from a song called Vapor, spelled the American way, V-A-P-O-R, mm. by a group called Gungor, G-U-N-G-O-R. It's actually Michael Gungor and his wife, Lisa, and a few, few friends. <clears throat> and um, originally they were kind of in the Christian music mold because that's where both of their background. He is now, I think he's renamed himself was renamed by Ram Das as, um, um, I'm going to get this wrong, I think, Vishna Das, I think, 
like follower of Vishnu, Vishnu Das, mm -hmm. follower of Vishnu. Okay, so this is the parts of the song. It's fairly long, but okay. Oh, the vapor of it all. It's a chasing of the wind, the substance of the form. So pale and thin, let the veil of earth be stretched again. Holy, all behold the holy. Trees clap their hands for you. Oceans, they dance for you. Heaven taunts the hearts of men. We can feel it from within, the beauty of it all, the mystery, the swelling of a voice, a rising sea. And we'll scroll down a bit to holy, the impossible and holy. Kings become fools for you. Kingdoms to ruins for you. Vapor finds ground in you. Music finds sound in you. Oh, come on. Love it. Isn't that cool? Best gift ever. Best well, prize check ever. It out on, on YouTube or whatever. It's a great song. It's really nice. Yes. Um, and can you just uh, send uh, me the name? Sure. Or, yeah. Would you just send it to me? Yeah. I'll look it up on Spotify. <laughs> that was that. Michael Gunger came up with the best expression, in my opinion. Blasi and I have been using this for a long time. When something's like unexpected and we're like, whatever, I don't know what, how to deal with this. His line is, it's what's happening. It's what's happening. Yeah. Ah, that was beautiful. my paper last week for class. It's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. So I have to tell you that... Um, not the first time, because the first time was from from a book, but for our second and third guest, I think their prize was a meal from our favorite Indian restaurant here. And so Glenn took the takeout menu and he read them, you know, based on what questions or how many questions they answered or something like that. Like he took that number and went to every category and they got an appetizer, an entree, you know, something <laughs> else, something else. And um and so, yeah, and Reverend Dale, she was on and he's giving her a meat dish and she's like, but I'm vegetarian. <laughs> so had to go and change it to something else. But that reminded me that, you know, your husband, Derek, he is the owner of a super amazing, delicious Indian restaurant. Is it just one or is it more than one? Uh, the restaurant, one. Yeah. Okay. And then he has a takeout location as well. So I don't know if you want to give it a little plug on our show because there will be people yeah. from Toronto traveling through Toronto who might want to eat there. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, if you want the best Indian food ever, <laughs> Paka is where it's at. And a great wine program as well. Although outdoor dining is now closed. Um, but when they reopen the patio in May, they'll have a beautiful, beautiful outdoor patio that you can drop into and... Right. Enjoy some awesome Indian food, which I get to eat regularly. <laughs> P-U-K-K-A? Yes. Yes. It means in Sanskrit, um, exceptional. Oh. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great name then. <laughs> it is. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Well, 
Reverend Helen, thank you so much for being on our show today. And, and Honey Bunch, thank you so much for everything that you have brought to the table today and for that incredible prize with those beautiful, beautiful song lyrics. Wow. Stunning. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you both. This was so much fun. It and it's great fun. to see the two of you. It's <laughs> absolutely delightful. Uh, well, thank you. And thank you for giving us almost two hours of your time. I know you have lots on the go and, um, and it is a long weekend right now in Canada. So I don't know if there's yeah. other stuff that you have happening, but thank you really appreciate you, your time, your insights, everything that you shared with us today. Mm. And we appreciate everyone who tuned in, everyone who listened, watched, however you enjoyed this episode. And just thank you for everything that you do, everything that you that you do when you come and you enjoy and, and sort of engage with us the way that we, that we do. So thank you, Reverend Helen Below, for being our guest. Thank you, Glenn Sheridan, for being my co-host today. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. We will see you again again soon for another episode of Who Do You Think You Are? Bye for now. Bye, everyone. This has been an episode of Who Do You Think You Are? An exploration into how our thoughts, beliefs, and feelings create our reality. My name is Lassia Kahoot, and I have been your host. My co-host has been Glenn Sheridan. We'd like to thank the following for helping make this podcast a reality. Today's special guest, Reverend Helen Vallo. Music, Vasco Lorenco, copyright 123rf.com. Background illustration, Sakma Staircase, copyright 123rf.com. For more information on this podcast and Alasia Kohut Soul Excavator, please visit www.lasiakohut.com. If you like what you've heard, please like, subscribe, and or let us know by leaving a comment. Thanks for tuning into Who Do You Think You Are?